Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Let's hear about this episode's topic. Hi, my name is Andrew Phillips, and here's my question about the flu. I know that we have to get new vaccines for the flu every year because the flu mutates. But what is it about the flu virus that makes it mutate so often? All right. Well, it is that time of the year again. We're starting to see all of the ads and the publicity and the news, you know, news segments on encouraging people to get the influenza vaccine. Even more important this year, some people would say. So it's a really good time for us to talk about influenza, how it affects children, how serious it is and what we can do to treat it. And most importantly, what we can do to prevent influenza. Right. And there's always a lot of questions about that. So let's jump right into this. We're talking about influenza, and that's the respiratory infection, often shortened to the flu. But I try not to say the flu because it's different from the so-called stomach flu, which often refers to gastrointestinal illness, vomiting and diarrhea, um, for example, due to norovirus. Right. That can get a little tricky. So it's good to refer to it as influenza. Um, And we normally kind of have an equal dialogue back and forth talking about different subjects. But most of our listeners know that you are an infectious disease expert. So I will just interview you about influenza today, if that's okay. Sounds great. (laughs) All right. So we're talking about the seasonal influenza that's most commonly due to types A and B. Is that right? Right. These are the two most common types, and you might also see the influenza A strains further identified as H1N1 or H3N2. And infection can rapidly spread throughout families, schools, and communities. Right. And influenza is primarily transmitted through the respiratory route. Right. So when someone with influenza coughs or sneezes, then the virus gets in the air and then nearby people, including children, can inhale it. And that's how they get infected. And when we call it like the seasonal flu or seasonal influenza, when is influenza season? So a lot of people right now are coming into the clinic and they're like, is it time yet? Do I need to get my flu shot? So when do we expect that? Yeah, so it's kind of vague and unpredictable, and so a lot of people want to try to time their flu shots for when the peak of the season is, but it usually starts in the fall and it ends in the spring, and the most common time for peak influenza activity is February, but every year is different, and it can peak sooner, it can peak in November or December, or sometimes it peaks in March or April. So we can't always predict it, which, of course, is hard for us as physicians. Mm -hmm. We wish we had all of the answers. But let's talk about the illness itself. What are the most common symptoms that we see for influenza? It usually starts with a sudden fever, chills, body aches, and headache, and then the respiratory symptoms of sore throat, cough, and stuffy nose or runny nose. And in children, it can also cause stomach problems, This is more common in children than um, adults. Children can have vomiting and diarrhea. But one of the really interesting things about influenza is the beginning of the illness. It's a really sudden onset. People say, it's like, I felt hit by a train. I was fine one moment, 
And then within an hour or so, then you start suddenly feeling sick. Right. That's totally true. We, we see that in kids. And then sure enough, their nasal swab for influenza is positive. You can almost like bet on it. But how is influenza different from other respiratory viral infections? So, for example, the common cold, which is most commonly caused by like a rhinovirus or parainfluenza, or we've talked about RSV in the setting of bronchiolitis in little kids. Yeah, so most of these other respiratory viral infections have a gradual onset, not the sudden onset like influenza. And the common cold usually just has a low-grade fever, whereas influenza has a pretty high fever. Yeah, the kids can look really, really miserable and have the myalgias and muscle aches and just look really sick. But the good thing is that most kids get better. So how long, say, that they get diagnosed with influenza can we expect the duration of illness to be? Usually the high fever lasts for maybe three or four days, and the whole illness can last a week, sometimes a little bit longer, but they should be better at the end of a week. Mm. I mean, a long time, if you think about it, in the life of a child. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when they're sick um, and then they're feeling better, when can they go back to school or daycare? They should stay home for 24 hours after the fever is gone, and then they can go back to school or daycare. Right. And in this setting, we're talking about a fever of 101 degrees? Right, or 38.3 centigrade. Right. I know in our fever episode before, we talked about a cutoff of 100.4, and this can obviously get confusing for parents and pediatricians, but we were talking about the evaluation of newborns and young infants that are having prolonged fever. Yeah, the newborns and young infants, we have a a lower threshold because um, serious infections can sneak up on us with that. So what is the big deal with influenza? How much illness does it actually cause? So every year is different, and we've gone away from giving like averages and more giving ranges. But in the U.S., there's between 20 and 35 million cases every year. Between 5 and 20% of the whole population in the U.S. is infected every year. And this results in between 100,000 and 600,000 hospitalizations and 5,000 to 40,000 deaths every year. So we often hear about how influenza, like many things, affects the elderly more. But what about kids? How common and how bad is it in children? So children are more likely to get infected. So between 10 to 40 percent of children in the U.S. are infected every single year. And the risk of hospitalization in young children, children less than two years of age, that's about the same as the elderly. And children with chronic underlying medical conditions like asthma, diabetes, or heart disease, they're at an even higher risk of hospitalization and complications. And even children without any underlying conditions, they have an increased risk of other infections like ear infections or bacterial pneumonia or sinusitis. Oh, so when they're infected with influenza, then on top of that, they're more likely to get another bacterial infection like an ear infection, you said, or a pneumonia. So sometimes it's a it's a double whammy. Mm-hmm. Then how serious is it? Are we seeing kids die from influenza? Yeah, we do see kids die from influenza. In most years, between 100 to 200 children die from influenza in the U.S. And the highest death rate is children less than six months of age. 
Last season, 2019-2020, 187 children died from influenza in the U.S. Mm, That's really, really tragic and scary for a disease that we see so, so commonly. Right. So we often say, oh, it's just a viral infection, but it's not, you know, it's not always a mild disease. So what can we expect the usual treatment to be for influenza? So the children have a fever, they're tired, and they really need to rest, and they don't want to eat or drink, so they can get dehydrated also. So one of the important things to do is to make sure that they drink enough fluid so that they don't get dehydrated. And don't worry if they're not eating. They may lose some weight, and that's okay, because they will gain it back once they're feeling better. And what about antipyretics like ibuprofen or acetaminophen, Tylenol, Motrin? Yeah, so if children are uncomfortable because of the fever, then treating them with these antipyretics might bring the fever down and make them feel better. But not all children are uncomfortable with fever. Sometimes their temperature goes up and it just stays there. And once they get there, they're okay with that. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that in our fever episode. So tune into that for more information. It's important to remember, like we talked about in that episode, that you should only give ibuprofen to children six months of age and older, and it should never be given to children who are just vomiting continuously or are really dehydrated. Yeah, so thank you for that reminder, because we want to avoid any side effects of these medications. And you don't want to give aspirin to children with influenza because it increases the risk of something called Ray syndrome, which we all learn about when we're in medical school and then easy to forget about if you haven't seen it in a while. But it's a rare but potentially serious because it can cause brain and liver injury. And it's specifically this combination of influenza and aspirin together. Yeah, so no aspirin. So I can't remember the last time I saw Ray syndrome, but I think it was probably in the in the 80s or so. And then and then that's when the warnings came out with no aspirin. And we just haven't seen it much since. What about specific antiviral therapies? This is something something that we very commonly prescribe during the influenza season. But do they seem to help? Yeah, it helps. It's interesting because the most common antiviral is Olset Tamivir, and that's the brand name Tamiflu, but it's also available generically. It works best if it's given really early in the illness, so the first one to two days after symptoms start, and it shortens the illness by a day or more. And that might not seem like much, but everybody knows when you've had influenza and you have that high fever and the myalgias and and all. I mean, a day can can seem like a lot. It can really be a, a relief. Is there like a time frame within the illness that your pediatrician might be like, well, it's a little late. So if you've had your fever now for like five days, would it be reasonable to not treat or would you still treat? You know, after two days of illness, really, that there's there's really not much benefit. And so so then it won't shorten the course. It won't be beneficial. And so we don't recommend it after that. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. There's also new antivirals. One of the new ones is um, called Blaxavir. And that can be used for children 12 years of age and older. And one of the advantages is that Tamavir is given twice a day for five days. And Balaxavir has the advantage of just one single dose. And so, oh, wow. Yeah, it can be hard to take it when you're not feeling well. It can be hard <laughs> to take any kind of medicine. Yeah, that is beneficial. I actually have never used that yet. So I wonder if it costs a lot of money or maybe is it new for this flu season? 
No, it was approved, I think, in 2018 is when it was um, approved. So it's been around a couple of years. But yeah, I, I don't know the cost and I don't know the insurance approvals. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And there's also another antiviral that people might have heard of, um, Zanamivir. Um, and that one's not commonly used in, in children. That's more of an adult medication. You've got to love all of these names like anyone would ever be able to remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk briefly about getting your child diagnosed with influenza, if that's okay with you. Is it something that parents, if your child is having this abrupt onset high fever, we know, at least in our clinic, like a rapid swab is pretty readily available. You can go into a clinic and get swabbed and get a test back. Are those pretty accurate in your um, experience? Oh, yeah, they're they're pretty accurate. There's a lot of these what are called point of care tests that can be in doctor's offices or clinics. And they do the swabs and they go into the back room and, and run them in the machine and you can get an answer within a few minutes. So these are accurate. Some of them differentiate between the different strains of flu also. And in cases when you're uncertain, it can be really great to pin down exactly what's causing it um, and whether you will benefit from um, the antiviral therapy if, for example, there's several winter respiratory viruses circulating at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, especially right now, I think about having that reassurance of it's this versus that mm -hmm. <laughs> and knowing exactly what it is could be beneficial. There are times that, you know, we will listen to a parent describe the symptoms and we'll be like, oh, yeah, that sounds like flu. You're on day one and we'll just prescribe the antiviral without the test. So it just depends on your specific situation. But there are easy ways to get tested for influenza. So we want parents to know that if they want to treat their children for influenza with antivirals, they should call their pediatrician as soon as they get sick, like we talked about, so that they can start the treatment early when it's most effective. Yes, absolutely. Earlier is better. What should parents look for if their kid is not getting better? Not, you know, it's been five or six days and they're just not getting better. So we talked about some of the complications that the kids have um, influenza, and this can predispose to ear infections, to sinusitis, or pneumonia. The influenza causes all this upper airway inflammation, and that can trap bacteria in the ears or the sinuses, and that's why you can get these um, secondary infections. Interesting. So it's important to call your pediatrician if they're starting to have ear pain or they have that facial pressure or the cough and the fever just won't go away. Right. And some children have really severe influenza. The influenza itself can cause pneumonia or other complications. Mm -hmm. I've seen that like, an, you know, really bad pneumonia that requires hospitalization. And so it's important to to definitely contact your doctor if you're not following a normal trajectory or your child has any difficulty breathing. Right. And so the difficulty breathing is really something that you should seek medical attention for. Mm -hmm. So we know that influenza is bad. We do not want children to get influenza. So now let's talk about what I'm most excited to talk about with you, which is the influenza vaccine. How can we prevent kids from getting influenza? Yeah, so everyone six months of age and older should get influenza vaccine every year. It's really the best protection against influenza. Yes. And when is the best time to get vaccinated? So we talked about that the influenza season is really unpredictable. So you want to get it really as soon as it's available. So it's usually available starting in August, usually late August, early September. 
As soon as it's available, get it late summer or early fall. The vast majority of children should get their influenza vaccine. But are there any kids that it's like absolutely critical that they get their seasonal flu shot? So some children are at increased risk of complications from influenza. And so these include prematurely born children, any child with a chronic medical condition like um, heart disease, lung disease or kidney disease, and any contacts of young children or these children who are predisposed to more severe disease. And we especially worry about children less than six months of age because they have a, a high risk of complications from influenza and we're not vaccinating them. So we want to prevent transmission to those at severe risk. And then one of the newer recommendations over the past few years is we know that pregnant women are at increased risk for complications from flu. And if we vaccinate during pregnancy, not only does it protect the pregnant woman, but it helps protect their newborn child, too. The mother passes on some of this protection from her immune response to the newborn. That's a great and a good reminder. So there are a lot of different influenza vaccines out there. There are several inactive vaccines that are given by injection. We think of that as like getting your flu shot. Um, plus the live weakened vaccine, which is a nasal spray. All of these for children contain four strains, two strains of influenza A and two strains of influenza B. So how with these different options, how do we know which one is the best? They're all good. So they're all basically equivalent. So I would choose whichever one is available and you can get the spray or you can get the shot. The different brands are, are equivalent of the flu shots. So whichever you or your child prefer or whichever is available. When the spray first came out, I thought that kids would love that because, because who wants to get a shot, right? And then it's, it's funny because then you ask kids and they don't want things stuck up oh, their no, nose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. I feel like the shot is just over quicker and, but, you know. And the nasal spray isn't right for everyone. Is that correct? Right. So it's only approved for children two years of age and older, and it's not for children who are taking aspirin or who have any kind of weakened immune systems. It's not for children who are less than five who have asthma or a history of wheezing in the past year, or for anybody with any underlying medical conditions that increase their risk of complications from influenza. So all these children should re receive the influenza shot instead. And does that have something to do with the fact that it's a live weakened vaccine versus the inactive vaccine? Yeah, so it's a live weakened vaccine. So children with weakened immune systems, it might multiply more than you would want it to. And that's a theoretical concern. And then in the children with underlying conditions, it hasn't been well studied. And so we know that the flu shot works. And so that's the one that we want to go with. Definitely. So if your kid falls into one of these categories or you're a little bit confused, feel free to talk about the nasal spray option with your pediatrician. But it also kind of fell out of favor a few years ago. So at least a couple years ago, we were not offering the nasal spray. What changed? Yeah, so influenza A H1N1 is usually the strain that starts off the flu season and this strain didn't work very well in the nasal spray vaccine. It just wasn't very effective. And so the influenza shot was preferred. 
But this has all been worked out, and for the past couple years, both the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, and the American Academy of Pediatrics have reviewed the effectiveness data, and they've decided that the nasal spray and the injected vaccines, they're equally effective. Well, that's great. I mean, the more options, the better. Hopefully, more people will get um, immunized against this. Well, let's talk about side effects, which is often parents' main concern. Personally, as medical providers, and even before, I get the flu shot vaccine every year. And really, the past few years, I haven't really felt it just feels like a tiny pinch when it's happening, but then nothing. Sometimes I feel like I have a dead arm, like I got, you know, punched in the arm, but I really get very few side effects. It's really kind of funny because a lot of times you get the shot and if it like doesn't hurt, you're thinking, oh, I want that nurse to do it again next year. And you think it's like the nurse and not the vaccine or something, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I haven't had really good experiences probably the last four or five years. So that's great. But what can other, uh, what can kids expect? What can parents expect for side effects? So we know that the most common side effect is low-grade fever and then injection site reactions, so redness or pain or swelling at the site of injection. And these are generally mild and go away in a day or two. And then the nasal spray vaccine can result in a mild runny nose and maybe a sore throat. And again, that usually only lasts a day or two. Mm -hmm. I've had many parents and my mother-in-law tell mm-hmm. me every year tell me that they get sick when they get the flu shot or they get influenza when they get the flu shot. Can you uh, debunk this for us, Dr. Dean? You can't get influenza from the vaccine. You just can't. It can't happen. But what you can get is you can have a low-grade fever and a sore arm, and but that's that's not influenza. And you could also be incubating influenza or another respiratory virus on the day of immunization. And so coincidentally, you could become symptomatic in the next day or two. That would be unlucky. And then I always tell people, you know, it's the season where there is a lot of other viruses going around. And so, you know, there are definitely those unfortunate circumstances where you got the flu shot and you did get influenza. And we'll talk about like the coverage of the different types of strains in a second. But a lot of times, you know, you have rhinovirus or you have the common cold. And unfortunately, it just happened to come shortly after your vaccine. But since it's an inactive shot, you can't get influenza. So another common thing is this discussion about children that have had egg allergies in the past. What's the deal with that? So most influenza vaccines are produced using eggs. And in the past, we were really worried about maybe the amount of egg protein in the vaccines could cause problems with children with egg allergies. But they have such a small amount of egg protein in them that even children with egg allergies, they can be safely immunized. Their rate of allergic reactions is the exact same as allergic reactions to children who have no egg allergy. So it's really rare. It's like one in a million doses or something like that. Wow, that's that's good to know. So they don't need to get it in like a special circumstance where they're being observed. They could even get it if they were like at their local drugstore. Let's talk a bit about the immunization schedule. Most parents are familiar with this. You know, they're coming in at two, four, six to get different vaccines. And we know that influenza is a yearly vaccine. Um, And normally we get it once per year. But for some children, we recommend two doses. Can you explain the differences in this? 
So the first time that kids get in the influenza vaccine, if they're young, they haven't really been primed. And so their immune response is not as strong as we would like. So children six months through eight years of age may need two doses at least four weeks apart the first time they're immunized. And this really optimizes the immune response and helps protect them better. And then in subsequent years, then they only need one dose. Mm-hmm. I've seen this come up where a kid that it was their first vaccine only got one. Or maybe it was towards the end of flu season or something. And then the second year they come in, do we have to prime them again? Depends on their age. Yeah. So if they are young, then they need to be primed because they really need two doses of the same vaccine and the vaccine changes every year. I see. See, I learned during this podcast as well. So that's good. (laughs) And why do we need to be immunized every single year? So that's really inconvenient, right? (laughs) Be better if we just got like a shot and we were okay for 10 or years or more. But the virus mutates um, pretty rapidly, so the vaccine changes year to year to keep up with the latest circulating strains. And then the immune response and protection gradually fades after about five or six months. And so we need the vaccine for every influenza season. That makes sense. A lot of parents are concerned or bring up the the point that the influenza vaccine is not 100% effective, that it's it just doesn't work well. How would you respond to those parents? So we do have some vaccines that work really well, like the measles vaccine and hepatitis A vaccine. And this one doesn't work as well as those. You know, we'd like our vaccines to be like 90 or 100% protection, but the influenza vaccines, they vary from year to year. Usually it's about 40 to 60% effective um, in terms of preventing influenza, but all hope isn't lost if it's not, if, if it doesn't protect you against getting infected. Because even if your child gets influenza, they'll be less sick if they were immunized than if they were not immunized. So there's still benefit. And for previously healthy children without high-risk medical conditions, influenza vaccine reduces the risk of dying from influenza by 65%. And children with high-risk medical conditions, immunization reduces the risk of death by 50%. So what parent wouldn't want to reduce their child's risk of death? Yeah, no, that, those are really impactful numbers um, and shows that even having that protection on board can really minimize your symptoms, which to me is enough for sure. Um, so we've talked about how everyone six months of age and older should be immunized every year. But what about kids less than six months of age that you said are at the highest risk of complications? What do we do for them? Yeah, so children under six months of age are too young for influenza vaccine, and no vaccines are approved for children this young. So the best way to protect them is by protecting those around them. Mm-hmm. And why why are there no vaccines in this age group? So there have been some studies that have immunized kids less than six months of age, and it's safe. The children seem to tolerate it well, but the immune response is just poor. So it's probably due to the immature immune system. And since they have poor immune responses, the immunization probably wouldn't provide much protection for them. I see. And so that's why you talked about it's important to immunize pregnant mothers so that they can confer protection to their child. And then like what we sometimes call cocooning. So anyone that's going to have contact with that young child should receive their seasonal flu as well as their whooping cough shot. 
Yeah, the cocooning to really protect them by providing a safe environment all around them. It's important to point out that influenza immunization rates for children in the U.S. is actually not where we want it to be. So about 62% of kids get their seasonal influenza vaccine. So we can definitely do better. And we see that this number is lower in Black and Hispanic communities compared to others. And so we need to make better efforts in these specific populations to keep kids healthy. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. There are these racial and ethnic disparities. So what else can we do to prevent influenza? How about other general things that children and families can do to protect themselves from getting infected? Right. So we've been talking about this a lot lately. It's very similar to some of the things we've discussed on our COVID-19 updates. Do you want to stay away from sick people? Kids are doing a good job of that right now because we are not in school. But once we go back and things start to go back to normal, you know, really staying away from sick people, making sure we stay home when we're sick. Hand washing with soap and water or alcohol-based hand sanitizers, and then teaching kids to cough or sneeze into their elbows, um, not their hands, so that they're not going around and touching things. And then keeping frequently touched surfaces and toys clean. Mm -hmm. That's all great advice, not only for influenza, but other infections, too. So let's summarize today's main points, talking about influenza and how we can best protect children from getting it. So influenza usually starts with a sudden onset of fever, body aches, and then respiratory symptoms, plus sometimes vomiting and diarrhea in children. Many children get influenza every year, and generally over 100 children will die from it yearly in the United States. Children with any underlying medical condition are at increased risk of complications from influenza. Treatment for influenza is generally supportive, trying to keep the fever down and keeping an eye on the fluid intake to prevent dehydration. But there are specific antiviral medications available also that shorten the illness if given early in the course. The best protection you can give your child against influenza is the seasonal influenza vaccine. Everyone six months of age and older should be immunized yearly with influenza vaccine. The vaccine either prevents the illness entirely or makes it much milder if you get it. Plus, avoid being around sick people and frequent hand washing is always a good idea to prevent infection. And that reminds me of a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So a mother brings her child in to see the pediatrician because the child has a fever and symptoms of influenza. And the doctor examines the child and he tells the mom... Yep, your child has a very bad case of influenza. So the mother's not happy about this. (laughs) And she says she wants a second opinion. (laughs) And the doctor says, okay, they need a haircut too. (laughs) That's a good one. Did you have that one for a while? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Have you had influenza recently? Yeah, I do get the influenza vaccine every year, and, you know, it doesn't work. And every, I don't know, maybe five or ten years, I think I get influenza. And, you know, you you know you have it because it's that sudden onset. I mean, you can tell exactly what time it starts. You can say it started 3.30 on Wednesday or something like that, and you have the high fevers. And, and so you really can't, you can't miss it. Um, I can't remember the last time I had it. It was a few years ago. I, yeah, I can't remember. And I, to be honest, 
um, ne- have never gone in to actually be swabbed for influenza to be like officially diagnosed with it. Um, and so I can't say, you know, with 100% certainty, but I have had similar experiences with that rapid fever, um, but not for a long time. So I am a huge believer and uh, supporter of the flu shot. So make sure you guys are calling your doctor's offices to see when they're expecting to get their flu shots in so you can get an appointment. Um, many, you know, targets or CVS or Walgreens, which are common drugstores here in our area, um, will start to carry them. So if that's easier for you, you can just take the whole family in there. But I'm I'm guessing this year there's going to be a lot of really innovative um, ways to get the flu shot out, like tr- maybe drive-through clinics or other things to make sure that we're still protecting everyone against this really serious illness. Yeah, I think there's, you know, we're recording this in August of 2020, and of course, we're all concerned about COVID, and the concern this upcoming flu season is that we can have um, influenza circulating at a high rate at the same time as the coronavirus, and this could really cause a lot of problems. Right, like uh, much more severe disease if you get them together, but again, you know, just widespread pandemonium of like, mm-hmm. do I have this or do I have this? And so I think that, that the best thing you can do, really, really the best thing you can do is to make sure you get your influenza vaccine this year. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 